Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. As I um, left the house this morning um, to walk over to church, um, switch my video on to record as I do uh, every Sunday morning, thinking I don't know what to say this morning. But a thought did come to me actually, and the, and the thought was, um, when, when I leave the house, I don't know about you, but when I leave the house, I check certain things are with me. Do you do, do, you do that? Uh, and are you a constant checker? Are you one of that? I'm desperate, my wife will, 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 will prove this. I am desperate when it goes to going away. You know I've go away a lot, travel a lot, my passport, oh my goodness. How many times I check my passport? Is anyone like me or is it just, am I the only neurotic one here today? And, 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 and checking my phone, in fact, oh, my phone's down there. Yeah, just checked it then, it was down there. I mean, you check your keys, you check your phone, you check your wallet. What you do is you're intentional about what you don't want to lose, right? So you check, so you're focused. And then for me, when, and in fact, coming back, we've been away a couple of days, uh, um, just a couple of days, a little break and did some Christmas shopping, believe it or not. And, and my, my wallet was in the inside of my coat and I slung it over the back seat of the car, in the back, back of the car. And then I'm driving down the motor and thinking, is the wallet there? Is the wallet there? And in the end, she said, I'll check the wallet. And Alison checked the wallet like a good wife and thank you for, for doing that. But what it did is it gave me peace of mind. Because when I knew it was there, it gave me peace of mind. And when you have peace of mind, everything changes. And the thing that I thought about this morning is that how many of us check for our keys and our wallet and our passport and our phone, but don't check the things that really matter. What about our joy? What about our joy? Are we as intentional about checking for our joy as we are for our passport or our phone or our keys or our wallet? Because if you lose your joy, you lose everything. Because joy is often connected to not only our peace of mind, but the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our what? Strength. Many of us know that. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And when you lose your joy, you lose your strength. And so what I've called this, this, this message today is don't lose your joy. Don't lose your joy. It is so important. And I find this a hard message to, to deliver today because when I thought about this a few weeks ago, that was before all of the, the world blew up in the way that it has. And I'm thinking, how would somebody in Israel and Gaza hear this message right now? How would people in our own communities in this nation hear this message right now? In fact, I had a message from Mark, who, who's at Clibbury, and you know we have a site, a microsite in Clibbury Mortimer, and I saw on the news that somebody lost their life in the floods in Clibbury Mortimer, 45 minutes away, and messaged him saying, hey, is everything okay? And he sent me an amazing message back. You know, Alison and I were there just a couple of weeks ago for a baptism service, and they borrowed our baptistry, and he said, I hope you don't mind, but we used the baptistry pump to help save somebody's house in our village. We literally pumped out the water and it rescued and saved the house. I thought, of course I don't mind, my goodness. So, so how does somebody in that situation hear this message? And I want to say, wherever you are in your life, and I know there are many of us in this room, those of you online, life is really tough right now. Many of our people are facing really difficult health conditions and diagnosis. And I don't know how you're going to hear this message. I hope and pray that you hear God through it. So I don't want to be crass or simplistic because joy can be like that. Do you know what I mean? It can be like that. It can be shallow. It can be thin. It can be simplistic and crass. And I don't believe it is that when you look at real, real joy. So what is joy? Well, the kind of definition of joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. 
And this is where the church and Christians, we've got a little bit of an interesting relationship with joy. We say joy is not the same as happiness. And in one sense, that's true. Happiness is often dependent on happenings. And we say no, joy is something much deeper. The problem with that, if we try and force them apart too much, is that's a recent view in the church. It's not the whole view of the church or of the Bible. In fact, what I always thought growing up as a Christian, and I grew up in a church that, was, that wasn't joyful particularly, and I thought happiness is what everybody else has, but joy is what Christians have. Happiness you can see because they're happy. Christians have something you can't see because it's deep. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And so you know the old song, I've got the joy, 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 joy. Where? Where? Some of you younger people haven't got a clue what's going on right there, all right? We did retro worship. That's even retroer. And that's not a word, okay? That's beyond retro worship, what we did. And so what we think is that happiness is, is what everybody else has got. But if you've got faith, okay, and not all of you have got faith, and I get that. If we've got faith, then we'll have joy and it'll be so deep down, you won't find it. It's so deep down, you won't see it. It's so deep down, it will never appear on the surface. But that's a recent view. In fact, a guy called Spurgeon, who's a great preacher and writer and author, he, he said this, may your Christian life be fraught with happiness. I love that phrase. And overflowing with joy. You see, joy and happiness, happiness and joy are interchangeable when we understand what they really mean. Happiness that is only dependent on happenings is very shallow. But joy and happiness that is dependent on something much deeper than that is something which gives our life the strength that you and I need so much in our lives. You see, happiness is an emotion and temporary and joy is an attitude of the heart, but joy and happiness are closer linked than what we like to admit. So what makes you and I happy or joyful? I wanna suggest no thing. No thing really make us happy or joyful. Not my phone, not my keys, not my wallet, not my passport. I wanna to suggest to you that joy is not a what, joy is always connected to a who. Joy is all real joy and real happiness. It's only connected to a who. There's a great story in the story of the early church that began in the book of Acts. Okay, Jesus um, died and, and was buried and was resurrected and, 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 and He appeared to 500 people. Then He ascended into heaven, sent His Holy Spirit. And in the book of Acts, which a guy called Luke wrote, who was a doctor and a historian, okay, so he put an orderly account together. He wrote this story of how the early church started. And in Acts chapter three, so it's early on in the story, two of the disciples are on their way to a temple, okay, to the synagogue to pray. And they see a man who is sick. He needs healing. But what he does is, I'll read it. It says in Acts chapter three, it says this, then Peter said, because the man asked them for money. And then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. I don't have the what? What I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Then it says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. You see, what he thought he wanted, the man, was a what? It was money. But what he really needed was not a what, it was a who. It was Jesus. Now in this instance, Jesus gave him the what that he was looking for as well, which was healing. But sometimes we don't get the what that we want. But when we get the who, we get joy. Joy doesn't come from a what. 
It doesn't come from an outcome. It doesn't come from things working out the way we want it to. That's a, a, a light, superficial kind of happiness. Joy comes when we encounter Jesus and when we receive him into our lives. So you see, the message of Jesus is really simply this, okay? It, Jesus says this, and I'm sorry if this is gonna put some of you off following Jesus if you're new to it, okay? But in John 16, it says this, in this world, you will have trouble. That's great, isn't it? You feel really glad that you came. But just before that, Jesus also said this, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. In other words, guys, listen, don't be surprised when there's a lot of trouble in the world because that's what there is. But in the middle of the trouble, when you know me, when you have a relationship with me, I'm gonna fill you with joy and then your joy will overflow. So what I wanna do in the time I've got left today is I wanna talk to us about how we kind of, uh, like we don't wanna lose our joy. So how do we ensure that we don't lose our joy? And I wanna kind of say three things, but the second thing is the big thing. But the first thing is simply this, you have to own your own joy. In other words, your joy is your job. See, what I know I do is I don't own it. It's like, oh, you robbed me of my joy. That email, that doctor, that spouse, that friend, that conversation, that outcome, that meeting, that situation, and all the time I'm pushing it out. That's why I don't have joy. No, no, no. My joy is my job. I have to own it. But secondly... You have to cultivate it. You have to build it. And what I want to do is I want to give you five really practical handles on how we can cultivate and build joy in our life. And I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking to anyone else here today. The first one is this, to cultivate a childlike mindset. Cultivate a childlike mindset. Now, I don't mean childish. I'm not talking about childish, but childlike and what is it, you, know, you know, Jesus said, you know, he looked often at a whole bunch of kids and he said to all the religious serious people that got deep joy so far down, you couldn't find it. Hey, you need to become more like a child. He wasn't telling them to be childish. He was saying, be childlike. And to be childlike, I think, means to be present, doesn't it? It means to enjoy the little things as well as the big things. It means to take a few risks it means to just be a little bit silly sometimes, not ridiculous and not, not you know, but it just means just to have a little bit of fun. And, um, you know, when we were, as a family, we were away a few weeks ago as a whole family. We're dedicating our second granddaughter, uh, Lydia, at the second service. And so we were away with, with girls, with Josh and Isla, with Isla's parents. We had a great time in Mallorca. And on the one day, it was raining. And Alison will tell you, when I'm on a summer holiday, the clouds and the rain steal my joy, okay, really quickly. But I didn't care because we were, at, we were with the kids. The focus wasn't on me and getting brown. The focus was on the kids. And then one day, like nobody's out in the pool and Sally said, I want to go swimming. So granddad took us swimming in the rain. There was nobody else in the pool. It was freezing. But we had such a lot of joy because in that moment, it's like, hey, yes, it's raining. That could steal my joy. But when we become childlike, we enjoy some of those things in life again. You're not too old for that, right? Oh, both of you are not too old for that. Come on, cultivate a childlike mindset. I love, I love this old story that I had. I love this. I've sure gotten old. I've had two bypass surgeries, a hip replacement, new knees, for prostate cancer and diabetes. I'm half blind. Can't hear anything quieter than a jet engine. 
take 40 different medications that make me dizzy, winded and subject to blackouts. I have bouts with dementia. I have poor circulation. I hardly feel my hands and my feet anymore. I can't remember if I'm 85 or 92. I've lost all my friends, but thank God I still have my driver's license. (laughs) That's scary, right? That's really scary. But to have that kind of attitude of, hey, I'm going to have a childlike mindset. Even in the midst of stuff, I'm going to find the joy. So important. Secondly, though, we've got to cultivate a grateful mindset. Gratitude is incredibly powerful. The attitude of gratitude, as some people say, is incredibly powerful. And I know in my life, I can easily lose this if I'm not careful. The Bible puts it this way, a guy called Paul who wrote a lot of letters to the early Christians, these churches, he said this, give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances, but in, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And you know the word thankful here, the kind of root meaning uh, is grace and the root meaning of that word is actually joy. So there's something of joy intrinsically in the concept of gratitude. Remember many years ago, uh, we as a church used to go out to a project in South Africa, um, helping communities there in, in great poverty and HIV AIDS, etc. And as we used to get into the, the, the jeeps to go out into the community every day, uh, one of the staff would say, okay, before we go, what, what are the three things we're grateful for? And every single day, they would practice that as like a habit. And we'd all go around and some of us were sat in the back of the, of the truck, you know, getting ready to go out. And we'd all say three things that we were grateful for. Such a brilliant habit, such a brilliant thing. Because when you build gratitude into your life, you can build joy. And listen, you don't have to be a person of faith to apply these things I'm saying. Most of these things I'm saying, you don't. What would it be like if we were more grateful as a people? What would it be like if we didn't just focus on what we didn't have, but we focused on what we do have? And there's something sobering, isn't there, about looking at the world and what's going on right now for actually saying, oh God, please help them. But also I'm so grateful. And there's something powerful about this attitude of gratitude. The third thing though is to cultivate a serving mindset. And I want to speak about this a little bit. This is so important. You know, in the UK, there was 40 different studies all done recently that found a connection between happiness and selflessness. In other words, people that gave to other people, people that served other people, their happiness, their joy quotient was higher than those who didn't. There's something about serving others which it kind of kicks in, it keys in to something on the inside of us which brings us joy. When we only live for ourselves, all we have to show for ourselves is ourselves. But when we're the kind of people that live and serve others, our happiness and our joy goes up. In fact, the survey said this, those that volunteer and that serve consistently, not not ad hoc, but consistently are less likely to suffer depression, less likely to suffer heart disease, less likely to suffer stress, less chance of drug abuse. What's more, even if you serve consistently with a bad attitude, your chances are better than if you don't serve at all. Which is amazing. So even serving with a bad attitude is better than not serving at all. It's great for your joy. And you know, in this church, we love the fact that we get loads of opportunities for people to serve. We call that the dream team. Many of you are already in the dream team. We celebrated the dream team recently. You know, if you're not in the dream team and you've not found a place to plug in and serve here, there's loads of opportunities. And listen, do it with a bad attitude. That will be better for you than not doing it at all. 
but preferably do it with a good attitude. Is that all right? I'm just looking at Andy that's heading up the dream team saying, what? Preferably do it with a good attitude. But when you do it, it will build joy within you. It really will. Because what it does is it gets us out of ourself. It gets us out of our preoccupation with ourselves. It reminds us that there's more to the universe than me. <laughs> there's more to the universe than us at the centre. There's other people as well. Number four, cultivate a hopeful mindset. This is so, so important. I love um, Martin Luther King Jr. and, and the, the civil rights movement in America. I'm very inspired by uh, when, I, when I look and study the, the kind of spirituals of, of, of abolition of slavery. And what was so important in that whole movement and still is, is music and the hope that is contained within music. And they would write songs that were songs of hope that, that you think, this doesn't look like anything I'm singing about right now. What I'm experiencing isn't that, but there's a hope beyond that. And that hope, when you build a hopeful mindset, it actually helps sustain and cultivate your joy. One of my favourite little verses in Psalm 30 is this verse. For his anger lasts only a moment. You know, when life feels terrible, it's only a moment. His favour lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And, and Abby, who's leading us in worship, along with Dan and the team today, she shared devotions uh, just before. We, we all, when we, we get here really early on a Sunday and we set up and get ready for you guys and we, we pray together every single Sunday for you, for all of you watching online every single Sunday. And she shared about this verse as well that I've just read. And, and it just reminded me of a, a situation in our own lives, really, or in friends' lives years ago, where a good friend of mine who was a minister at a church and his wife was expecting their second baby and um, during the, the, the procedure, somebody made a mistake and put pethidine too high in her spine and she died. The baby was born, but the mother died. And I remember flying over because it was not in this country and, and some mutual friends, I was staying with them and they were friends of this, this lady that had died. And I remember th this other friend of mine in, in her house and she was a, 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 a musician and she had a Bible open on a piano and uh, it was open to Psalm 30 and it was ringed. This verse was ringed. Um, it, you know, reaping may last for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And she just wrote in the Bible, yeah, but it's a long night. But it's a long night. The reality is sometimes it is. Sometimes it is a long night. And I think I want to say to some of you, you're in the middle of a long night right now. And maybe your hope is about to disappear. Our hope and prayer for you is that today God would show up in your life and you would know that He is still with you. He is still with you, even in the middle of the night. Yes, it may be a long night, but joy will come in the morning and the morning will come. The morning will come. I don't know when it is, but it will come. The morning will come. We have to develop this hopeful mindset. And then fifthly, cultivate a perspective mindset. This works at two different levels. This works at this idea of the size of your trouble. That thing that's taking your joy. Sometimes it's so big in our minds, but it's not really big when we consider God. You know, when we think about some of the things that, I know me and Alison talk about this a lot, some of the things that we get uptight about, we have to say, hang on, hang on. First world problems, you know. Hashtag first, is this really that big? Is this really that big a deal? Our youngest son, Simeon, who many, I've told this story many times, but I, I love this story. And God uses this story to remind me so much. When he was a little lad, he, you know, he's got very complex um, uh, learning disability, autism, um, ADHD, all kinds, of, all kinds of things. But when he was little, uh, he had no fear of animals at all. No fear. 
Okay, he would put his face in the front of a Rottweiler dog. He would, he would try and stroke a lion if he could see one in the safari park. He had no fear of animals until one day when we were in this farm and we see this huge shire horse. Remember shire horses? Massive thing. And from a distance, they look quite small. And he wanted to see the horse. And so he, he, kind of, he runs. And so I run after him, okay? And, we, and as he's getting closer to the horse, all of a sudden he realises how big the horse is. And for the first time ever... He had some fear. And you know what he did? He turned around and he put his arms up like that, which I knew was a sign for daddy to pick him up. Um, you should see him now. I wouldn't be doing that now, all right? He's, he's 29 and built like a rugby player, okay? But when he was little, and I picked him up and put him on my shoulders, instantly the fear went. I felt God speak to me. He says, and I felt God say this, everything looks different when you're on daddy's shoulders. And the reality is what steals your joy is small compared to daddy's shoulders. And when you and I get on daddy's shoulders a little bit, when we get perspective of how great God is, even those things that are big in our life, the perspective changes when we get on daddy's shoulders. And maybe for some of us, we just haven't been on daddy's shoulders recently and our perspective needs a little bit of addressing. But the other thing about this is, is also, um, we need perspective about the season that we're going through as well. Because what often steals our joy is a passing thing, not a permanent thing. It says in 1 Peter 1 verse 6, again, another follower of Jesus that wrote to early churches, so be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials, listen, for a, a little while, a little while. And I, I don't know, but Peter, you know, he's talking to a whole load of Christians who are, who are, who are serving Jesus in persecution under Nero, okay? It's horrible. It's horrendous. And Peter's saying, yeah, but in the light of eternity, it's a little while. So what you and I are going through in the light of eternity is a little while. And we need some perspective about the season. If you're passing through, you're exactly doing that. You're passing through. You're not going to stay there. And this is the hope and the perspective that you and I have. I wrote in my notes, okay, before last night, at this point, I'm going to talk about Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. If you're an English rugby fan, you'll know how painful this is right now, okay? And I'm just looking at our South African friends and we hope you lose. No, we hope you do really well in the final. But you know, that song, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, which has become like an anthem for the English rugby team over the last few years, actually comes not out of sport, but comes out of something way more important than that. It was written in the 1800s, late 1800s, out of the whole movement of um, abolition of slavery and out of civil rights and all of that. And people don't quite know whether the imagery in it, swing low, sweet chariot, you know, coming forth to carry me home. That's about eternity in heaven. But it's also a reference potentially to the underground railway that was taking people out of slavery in the deep south into the north and into Canada. But there's this idea that in that song is hope and in that song is perspective. What I'm passing through is just that. I'm just passing through it. I won't stay here forever because God is with me and there is an eternity ahead of me. And I want to say something, okay? If you're a believer in Jesus, the world right now, this is as bad as it gets. The future eternity all gets better. If you're not a believer, the world right now is as good as it gets. The future, it gets worse. We've got a choice to make this side of eternity where we want to put our hope 
and that will shape our perspective and ultimately that will help us not to lose our joy. So how do we make sure we don't lose our joy? Firstly, we own it. My joy is my job. Secondly, we cultivate it by doing all those things. But thirdly, and I want to land with this, we also maybe at times, we need to restore it. We need to restore it. We need to see God restore it. And I love um, these, these verses. Uh, it says, um, David, when he lost his joy in Psalm 51 verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. You know, the first miracle that Jesus did was turning the water into wine. And that's so important because Jewish rabbis had a phrase. They said, without wine, there is no joy. Some of you have that phrase, but that's a whole different deal. And, um, uh, and what they meant was that wine was symbolic of joy and happiness and family experience together, which is why in that joy, in that moment, when Jesus turned the water into wine, it wasn't about turning water into alcohol. It wasn't about that. It was about, here's a whole load of family who are, they're, they're losing face because there's no wine. The, the celebration, the relationship, it was all about relationship. It's all about relationship. And He restored that relationship. And, and I don't know about you, but something is stealing your joy. Something is stealing your joy. You've allowed something to steal your joy. And I think God is inviting you today to say, hey, come back. I want to help you restore your joy. I want to help you restore relationship with me. In the middle of what you're going through, in the middle of that long night, I want to bring you joy. And I think God has that for us today. And maybe online as well. And I'm deeply moved pastorally with all of the people who are so struggling right now with health. Many people in our church, in our community with cancer, with all of the kinds of illness, deeply moved pastorally by that. Wish I could take it all away. But I do know in the middle of all that, there is a God who loves you. I don't understand everything about the why and all of that. I don't get all that. But I do know in the middle of all that, there is a God who loves you, who loved you so much that He allowed His only Son to die on a cross, to be separated from Him. That incredible night and the Bible says, who for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. What was the joy set before Jesus that enabled Him to endure the cross? The joy set before Jesus was relationship with you and me. So because of that relationship, I'm going to endure the cross so that I can have a relationship with you. 2,000 years later, in the middle of your night, you can know joy. So I want you to invite you into a moment of response. Let's maybe close our eyes for a moment and online as well, join with us. And you know what David did in that Psalm that I just read was he acknowledged that he'd lost the joy. He owned that he'd lost the joy. And then he came back to Jesus, to God. And he said, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And I wanna just pray with a few of you today, not me personally, but us together. And, and if that's you today, and you say, hey, right now, I really need God to restore my joy. Would you just stand for a moment? This is not to embarrass you or shame you, but you just stand and say, oh, right now, life is sucking the joy out of me. And not, everything, nothing, all the stuff's not gonna change just because you do that. But in this moment, I'm praying, hoping and believing that God is gonna do something on the inside of you. So if that's you, then just stand right where you are. Maybe if you're online, you just respond as well. And we'd love to pray for you. Say one for me is something that we do online. The guys will drop the link in the chat and we pray for you all the time. But I just wanna invite you, if that's you right now, just stand with me. 
And if you're sat down near someone who's standing, would you just maybe reach a hand out, put your hand on a shoulder? Don't say anything, I'll pray, but just, just to let them know that they're not on their own. Father, we pray for these folks who are standing before You. We pray for those online in our sites that are responding as well. God, may You fill them with joy again. Fill them with joy again. The circumstances may be exactly the same, but God, they'll be different. Fill them with joy, I pray. Fill them with hope. Fill them with a perspective, God, that comes from You. And Lord, as You do that, God, I pray that that joy would be overflowing out of their lives as well. That when life squeezes them, what comes out of them is joy. What comes out of them is joy. What comes out of them is not bitterness, is not pain, so much as not that disappointment and regret. I pray what comes out of them when they're squeezed is the joy of their salvation. God, would You fill them with Your presence and with Your joy, I pray in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand and I've asked the guys if we could sing this song that we've been learning recently, Gratitude. And I've got a lot that I'm praying about in my own life and for other people right now. I've got a lot that I'm wrestling with God about, that I'm struggling with right now. But I'll tell you what, I've got a lot I'm grateful for right now. Anyone else? And let's use this opportunity to be grateful to God. And as we worship Him, as we worship Him and as we express our gratitude to God, let's allow that joy to come. And if you've not yet made a decision to follow Jesus and you don't know this relationship, you can know it. You can speak to any of us. Speak to someone you've come with. Hang back at the end. Speak to someone in the connection point. You can know that. You can have that relationship, not just restored, but built for the very first time. And then you'll have something to really be grateful about as well. Let's worship.